Dazzin, Stitch Fix, and Rockstar Energy Drinks on this week's episode of the News Entrepreneur's Experience. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of News Entrepreneur's Experience. I think it's a bit of a somber episode as you look around the market, or certainly as I do, and even to see what's transpired in the last couple of days, even the last week since the last podcast episode that I put together about the news, and it now feels like there's not very much news to report on other than what's going on with the coronavirus and uh, how that is ricocheting through the economy and through society and uh, doesn't seem to be leaving anybody untouched. And so I wasn't even sure if I was going to do this particular podcast episode because there didn't seem to be very much news to report. And even if there was some to report, I wasn't sure how valuable it would be. And then I thought, you know, I've been talking with uh, a lot of folks, uh, a lot of staff. Um, I've been talking with business partners. I've been talking with other entrepreneurs. And it seems to me that the uh, sort of the shock of the moment is being absorbed right now, and um, that it's uh, that it's always a good time to share pieces of advice, strategies, and uh, information that might help help somebody get uh, to the next to the next place they need to get to. And so, on this week's episode of News Entrepreneurs Experience, as you know, I do this particular episode because. Being an entrepreneur can be very lonely, and you can oftentimes think that you're the only person struggling with challenges in your business, and what I try to do is grab um, stories that I read about um, from bigger businesses, either public companies or large private businesses, and I try to tease out of those stories something that the everyday entrepreneur might find valuable and helpful, and uh, with what's going on in the marketplace, I've decided to just keep doing it because there's no downside to it. Um, If nobody wants to hear what it is I have to say, then they simply won't download the episode. But if by chance the folks that have come to download this episode uh, each week plus uh, uh, the other episode that I do, if they find some value out of this, then you know what? It was worth it. And quite frankly, maybe this is like therapy for me because I get to work out some of the things that I'm uncertain about um, or, or put out there. Uh, some ideas that, um, you know, that I'm working on or that I'm working through. So um, on that vein, if you are an entrepreneur that is uh, struggling like every other entrepreneur right now, or most of them anyway, uh, don't do it alone. Make sure you talk to someone. Make sure, I mean, you can reach out to me. I'm always happy to talk. Love hearing myself talk. But if you, you know, if you're if you're stressed out, if you're anxious, if you're not sure um, what to do, then make sure that you're talking to um uh, people that uh, can be an ear. Uh, no one's going to have any answers right now because there aren't any answers to have. Uh, serious events like this have to play out, and your opportunity as an entrepreneur is to not react or, or on a best efforts basis, not react, but try and figure out how to get in front of them or how to prepare yourself for what might come next. So having said that, I am going to Uh, go through a couple of headlines that I posted blog posts um, for over the the last week. And again, 
the context is to try and give you some hope or to try and stimulate some thinking. And quite frankly, maybe to give you something different to listen to because it can be very difficult and quite depressing to continue to listen and watch uh, the headlines as the uncertainty continues to loom and uh, we all need a little ray of sunshine somewhere. So maybe this podcast episode is your little ray of sunshine somewhere. So the first uh, the first headline or the first blog post that I'm going to speak to is, um, I had titled it, What is Your Competitive Advantage? And I know how hilarious that might sound right now because someone might be saying, Dylan, who the hell cares what my competitive advantage is? Um, I'm just trying to figure out what to do next. Yep, I understand that doesn't change the question. Um, you still have a business. Um, uh, your business provides uh, a product or service to the marketplace. There is a problem that your product or service uh, solves. And in this particular moment, while you might not be able to do anything about it right this second, certainly in the coming months, um, you, you will have to adjust. Um, if you intend on keeping uh, your business, you'll have to adjust and strategize and come up with tactics that will help your business uh, continue to be profitable even during uh, tough times. And so one of the, the stories I had seen was about a sports streaming service that um, sort of had used this term first mover advantage to identify where they believe their business was in the marketplace. So sports streaming um, is in North America kind of a big, big deal. But Across the world, some of the big players in the U.S. haven't found their way across the rest of the world yet. So that would be like ESPN+. Plus. They're not across the globe yet. And so Dazen had made the announcement. They had, they had talked about that they were going to expand into uh, 200 new markets in an attempt to get ahead of ESPN+. Plus, and uh, that they were going to be corralling their people and their resources to beat them. Um, as both services are trying right now to figure out how to how to basically do a land grab and grab all of the streaming customers that are looking to um, stream sports into their devices, um, and so this is this is kind of the race uh, right now. So, uh, Dazen, their competitive advantage is they already have an international market, and so um, that's a leg up on ESPN, who doesn't have one. And as I was reading through kind of these two big streaming services and how they viewed the marketplace and what they were doing about it, it got me thinking about the individual entrepreneur. I think, uh, again, in times like this, it can be hard to think about these sorts of things. But uh, every um, uh, most entrepreneurs, I think, simply provide the product or the service that they provide. They don't really think about competitiveness per se. Um, and I've taught, I think I talk about this quite a bit. Um, but it's just sort of something that's there. And my, my thesis is that if you can actually figure out, <laughs> one of my resolutions going forward, by the way, sidebar, is to stop using the word actually. It's funny what happens when you've recorded uh, almost 150 podcasts and you have to listen to them and edit them and so forth. You start discovering that you use uh, terminology and words uh, very repetitively and you weren't even aware of it. Actually happens to be one of those words that I'm trying to cut out. So back back keep back to the topic here. Uh, what was I even thinking? Oh yeah, what is, what is the competitive advantage that you have as an entrepreneur? Some entrepreneurs are not able to articulate it. Uh, my thesis is that if you are able to sit down, go through your business model, understand what it is that your business does, and even if you know, you're the same as 10, 20, 100 other businesses in the marketplace, there is something different that, or there is an advantage that you have. You may not know what it is because you haven't figured it out yet, but there is an advantage somewhere. 
It might be your knowledge and experience. It might be your perception of the market. It might be the manner in which you deliver your product or service. It might be the way in which your customers experience your product or service. But there is something there. And being able to articulate what your competitive advantage is, it um, gives you the opportunity to take advantage of openings in the marketplace as they, as they pop up. And in particular, right now, when times are uncertain, the uncertainty isn't going to last forever. Um, we will, at some point over the coming weeks and months, get a handle on where each of our businesses uh, sit, if we're able to hang on for that long. And as we do, we then have to decide and make decisions about um, how to you know, continue to operate and do what it is we've been doing for a long time. And part of that will entail knowing what we're good at and knowing how to go and bring it to the marketplace and do it in such a way that it's an advantage for us over, um, over our competitors. And if you can do the work to find your competitive advantage, uh, I believe, I believe, and I have evidence in my own experience that it is worth the work that it takes to get one. And there's nothing, I don't believe that there's anything more meaningful in your business than understanding what your advantage is. And you can, you can certainly in the sports streaming service, the advantage that Dazen has is they have sort of this international footprint already established. So when ESPN Plus is going into a marketplace and Dazen is going into a marketplace, uh, if it's an international marketplace, Dazen has the advantage because because they would have already um, wired their business internally to handle things like you know different languages and different bandwidth rates and different rules and regulations that the government may be imposing on on what it is that they're that they're streaming, and so that gives them the advantage. But in the same way, for your business, for all of the work and effort that it takes to discover what your advantage is, and if you if you're not sure what your advantage is to then develop one or to become focused on one, it, it does attribute to protecting your bottom line and to protecting your balance sheet. So as I was reading, I was reading through this, this article about a week ago before life had gotten really bad, but I don't think it changes my position. Um, yep, it's difficult right now, but when you do, when you are able to get your feet beneath you, it is important to be able to articulate what is your competitive advantage and how does that work. In big companies, I'm thinking of an airline uh, here in our that was founded here in our city. Uh, their competitive advantage was the culture of their business, and so they made everybody stakeholders in the business. Uh, that was, you know, that was a, a clear advantage over the largest competitor, which was really just a government-funded airline, so it didn't have the same culture. Uh, if one person was looking at working for either airline, they tended to work for the one that had the better culture, which meant that they were able to hire the best people, which meant that they had the better experience, which meant that customers would take their airline money and spend it with them instead of the competition. So it does start to stack if you can figure out um, it does start to stack. The value does start to stack all the way uh, to your customer if you can if you can take the time to figure out what your advantage is. So I'm beating on this a little bit because I think that Entrepreneurs don't take it seriously. Um, I think they just assume that they're probably good at something, but they don't really grab a hold of it and use it to drive all of the activities uh, in their in their business. So, hopefully, hopefully that resonates with you a little bit, or that you see something there, or you've heard something there that uh, you're able to put to work uh, in your business. Okay, the next. Uh, let's see here. What do you got? Oh yeah, is what you are doing 
working. This was an interesting uh, blog post to write because it did get me, it got me thinking about a few things that I've done where I sort of fell victim to this. And so this wasn't purely just finding a headline and finding something to uh, uh, find in it that entrepreneurs could relate to in their experience, but it was really just based on experience that I've had. So the article was about Stitch Fix. So if you don't know what Stitch Fix is, they are... um, they're part of this. They they are part of a trend uh, in culture right now, where uh, you can get like a personal designer for a monthly fee. So basically, you pay some money to get someone to understand the kind of clothes and accessories that that you like to wear. They put a whole bunch of things in a box and they send it to you. And the idea is that if you like what you see and you keep at least one item from the box, then they've earned their fee. And you can send everything back that you don't like. And the idea is that every month they're going to send you this box. If you like what's in there, you'll keep it and pay for it. If you don't, you're going to send it all back. And so that was their business. And it's and that business was, I don't know, some crazy, I think it was like $2 billion valuation when they went public or something like that. Just this massive, massive valuation. However, since going public, what has transpired is in an attempt to service all of their customers, they have now, they have changed, not changed their business, I would say they've altered their business to now focus on selling individual items, or they have have made it, have made um, part of their business, maybe not their focus, part of their business selling individual items, which basically means they're not doing anything different than any other clothing retailer. Uh, you find a customer, the customer wants your shirt, you sell them your shirt. So that's what's transpired. And they, they got a little bit of an uptick when they did it, but they, they got the uptick on selling individual items at the expense of the monthly subscriptions and the boxes of items that they were sending to customers. So they kind of got, got ahead of themselves and what started out as a good idea involved into something that became very mundane, something very traditional, and something, quite frankly, that they're, they have not been able to compete at because now they're competing with everybody. Their, their secret sauce was this idea that you could put a bunch of, of items and clothes and accessories in a box, send it to customers, they'll pay for it, they'll keep the things they want, they'll send back the things they don't, but it's this personal stylist idea. And that then evolved more into just curating clothes for people and selling them individual items. And that, I guess that's okay, that's probably a business unto itself, but not a business that merits the kind of valuation that they've got. And it's obviously a, a diversion of focus for them. But for entrepreneurs, prior to what we're experiencing here, certainly in the last uh, couple of weeks, you might find that you've been spreading yourself too thin. And even in the moment where we're all experiencing right now, you might find that you're trying to do everything only to realize that nothing is really working. And so sometimes it's it's a good idea to go back to the, to the sort of the basics and figure out what is the core business that you have and have you strayed too far for it. And underneath all of the activity and all of the stress and all of the problems and all of the headaches, there might be a good business underneath there. There might be a real product or real service that is solving a real problem for your customers. But over time, maybe there's things that have piled up on top of that. And so, um, it's it's pretty easy to fall into the trap that everything we're doing is important and everything we're doing is valuable. But as I read about this, about what Stitch Fix has been going through, it got me thinking about uh, things that I've done. You know, I, I recall in the past when we've I've had businesses, I've gotten too stuck in trying to develop maybe a new add-on or a new feature, or when it came to marketing, maybe 
maybe trying to do too many whizzy things. I'll use the word whizzy because I don't know what other word to use, but maybe doing whizzy things that no one really cared about. And I thought they were important, but there was no there was no evidence that the things I I was spending my time and effort on and the and the the time and effort of my team were producing the result of you know kind of uh, any consequence. And I don't think that I'm alone. I think a lot of entrepreneurs who are just learning how to do it and, and cutting their teeth and I've been doing this for a couple of decades, but I still seem to fall victim to some of these very basic rules. Uh, and it's that idea that you you got to stick to what you're good at and don't deviate too far from that unless you have good reason to do it. And I think uh, Stitch Fix just reminded me of that. And I thought that was valuable to share with um, with folks on, on this podcast, because I'm sure in these moments right now, everyone is asking themselves that question. Okay, wait a minute. What is it that we do right now? Are we good at it? Is what we're doing good enough to survive what's going on right now? And if so, how do we do that? So this was a reminder that whatever it is you set out to do with your business, maybe it's time to reevaluate it, strip away the things that don't matter, and just get back to the to the to the business, to the product, to the service, to the value that you originally wanted to bring to the marketplace. Okay, and I'm gonna I'm gonna round out this episode with what was a good headline from what I could tell. Although in subsequent readings about this founder, um, I have learned some things that maybe I wouldn't want to be associated with, but to each their own, I suppose. The headline was $3 billion rock star. And it was the headline that ran last week about rock star energy drinks being bought by PepsiCo for more than $3 billion. Yes, that is billion with a B. And the founder, Russell Weiner, I'm going to suggest his name was, uh, you know, he's 50 years old. He's tried everything, I think, from being a politician to um, maybe selling vacuums. Like, he's just done it all. And he famously mortgaged his home for 50000 He got into business with his mom. They owned 85% of the company. And so both of them are taking... or. He owned 85% of the company, and his mom owned the other 15%, I think. But either way, they're taking home some pretty big checks. And the idea here, as I, was, as I was reading this, was I talk a lot about trying to find your niche in the market or trying to find that spot in the market that your business can occupy uh, unencumbered, where no one else will bother you. If you can't be a leader in the larger market because there are too many players or there's too com- too much competition, then you got to find your spot within that very large market and own that market and lead that little niche that your business is in. But as I read the story of Rockstar, it led me to this, just to affirm the same belief. And at the time that Russell had launched the business, you may be familiar with Red Bull and Monster, which are both uh, energy drink companies, and they are massive, 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 massive. But for some reason... Russell thought, I think I can do this. And so his angle, his little opening in the marketplace, and I think as I've thought more about this since publishing the blog post, it occurred to me that there was like kind of a cultural moment that he caught uh, as well, because there is a certain type of demographic that purchases and uses energy drinks. And so what he had found, he I think there were two things that occurred. So first of all, he made larger cans and he sold them for a lesser price. So immediately he had the the pricing advantage. But against big competitors like Monster and Rockstar, that's not even close to enough because their logos are on every event and they're just, you know, they're just part of the culture. 
But the second thing that he did is he did these kind of guerrilla marketing strategies. And the first thing he did was got this big limousine and he just filled it up with, with rockstar energy drinks and took it to events. And it kind of became, I think it became like a bit of, um, what would you say? How would you say it? for the demographic that he was appealing to, it was kind of like the rebel drink, I think. Um, I don't I don't have evidence for that. I haven't read that, but as I interpret what had transpired, it almost seems like Red Bull and Monster were like the really polished versions of the energy drink. And Rockstar was kind of like the grungy, um, ugly stepchild, if you will. But it attracted a massive, massive following. And because of the bigger cans, that then set precedent for... Um, the other companies and at a lower price, it meant that their consumers or their customers, you know, could purchase more of it. And so it just sort of seemed like a whole bunch of things were working. That wasn't the point of why I wrote the blog. Um, it helps fill it out a little bit and give it some, give, uh, provide some context. But what I, what I thought was that the market I think is going to be very, very competitive over the coming weeks, um, and months, maybe years, who knows, maybe years. But everything's going to be a race to the bottom. Um, businesses are going to drop their prices. Inventories are going to need to be moved. So inventory of any kind of item is going to drop. I just think there's going to be a race to the bottom. So pricing isn't necessarily going to be the best thing to compete on because chances are there's always going to be another business competing lower than yours. But what Russell was able to do is he was able to just find a spot in the market that he thought was underserved. He was able to find a customer that his competitors were either ignoring or not doing a very well, not doing a very good job of servicing, and then he was able to dive right in there and provide his product and ended up, you know, getting getting rewarded handsomely for it. And much like the earlier conversation um, about having a competitive advantage, there are some entrepreneurs undoubtedly that are very, very competitive, but many are not competitive. Again, I think many entrepreneurs are so busy just trying to run their business that competition isn't necessarily something that they think about all the time. However, if you're prepared to acknowledge it, it is something that makes business exciting and, for me, mentally engaging. Um, Certainly providing a product or service is fun, and that's part of what I enjoy doing and being an entrepreneur, but trying to figure out the angles and trying to figure out where the openings are and where the opportunities are and what other people are missing that to me is what is very, very much engaging and is, is what makes working with a team fun. Fun, exciting, builds, builds kind of that camaraderie. And so I, I would challenge you, um, does your business have a unique group of customers in the market or is it servicing everybody in the marketplace like everybody else? I think if you can not only find your competitive advantage, but if you can find that spot in the market and focus on it, I think that it really can lead uh, to profit and value that your business can can put on its financials and use to uh, build something uh, very, very meaningful. And I think as an entrepreneur, that's our job, quite frankly. I think our job is to find opportunities in the market and to take advantage of them because I have this, this theory that being an entrepreneur uh, means pulling together people and resources to solve a problem in the marketplace. And whether the markets are good or bad, I think that thesis always uh, holds. And so in this particular context, much like Rockstar Energy Drinks, I think you have to go where your competitors are not going or service customers that your competitors are not servicing. And as the market does whatever it's going to do in the next week or two or month or two or year or two, this is still going to this is still going to be something you're going to have to think of uh, as you get up every day and run 
your business. So that's all I've got for you today. I'm going to um, keep finding these little stories or these little headlines or these little news announcements and package them up in such a way that they can uh, be of use to you to either put a a stone in your shoe or to encourage you or to inspire you. And um, keep tuning in. I hope you tune in next week. And and between now and then, make sure to, to subscribe to the podcast, to like it or share it, because by doing that, it will get in front of other people. And more important than all of that, if you have a question or you have an issue or you have a challenge or you just need somebody to talk to about what's going on with your business, um, I certainly would be one of those people that would be um, happy to figure out a time to, to do that with you, either uh, over the phone, uh, through a video chat, which is what I think a lot of people are doing right now, uh, or just through LinkedIn messaging or email or something like that. But um, I'm always happy to help. And um, if you genuinely really would like some direction or some advice, be happy to do it. If you just want to get context for some of the problems you're having, I would encourage you to go to bridgecap.ca. That's bridgecap.ca and get yourself a BridgeCap account because there's lots of very uh, good tools, technology, and content in there, depending on where your business is, that you can take advantage of to help you make some decisions. And we continue to add tools and resources uh, to those accounts on a regular basis. So thanks for tuning in. And um, I sure hope you download next week's episode.